0: welcome back everybody to the full tank motorcycle podcast i hope you're all doing well what have you been up to tim
1: i have been working which just basically means uh checking new clothing for motorcycle riding so i have a new kind of perspective on biking at the moment in terms of, of yeah. being sort of quite critical of uh, of what you can wear what's on the market um and at the moment i keep thinking there's gonna be a point where i get bored of uh, like talking about clothing and innovations in clothing but there actually are quite a few innovations they just keep sort of improving things which sounds like an advert but it's not an advert it's just maybe
0: that. that's something you could prepare for the next podcast is yeah. like the top top five innovations in clothing for 2021 i'd, I would I'd actually do... like to hear about that mm.
1: no it's really good i know because obviously you've got uh certain partnerships i know you had like pando um or quite sort of favorable yeah. in the past. their stuff's good but they yeah so you're you're at least interested in in those i'm sure you read up about them before you kind of took them out
0: well, i've got a couple of conversations going on with a with some other brands as well so mm-hmm. i'm hoping to get like more of a formal sort of relationship on the you know on an ongoing yeah, yeah. basis but we'll have to see <laughs> fingers crossed so tell you who you I might, really want, to might
1: want to speak to don't say whether you have or haven't but uh, if you haven't okay. already speak to john doe because uh oh, really? as far as their stuff i really like their stuff It's some of the stuff I've been most impressed by. I'll Um, uh, I'll save it for my top five motorcycle clothing things next time. Yeah, honestly, they're they're single layer denim at the moment. It's uh, spot on.
0: You know what the guys up at Crazy Horse when I used to go to their shop in London Mm -hmm. they used to say it was some of the best stuff. Really?
1: Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, it used to be good, but it's it's incredible now. Compared. Anyway, but that's what I've been up to, uh, as well as, yeah. actually, recently, and I know this isn't bike-related necessarily, but I did go to uh, Jeremy Clarkson's farm recently, and I, I will be drinking, oh, yeah. if you hear me slurping, it's me drinking the coffee that I bought there. It's quite nice. What's it called again? It's called Diddly Squat, I think. That's it. Yeah. That's a good name.
0: Is that in, like, Chipping Norton or somewhere yeah, like that? Yeah,
1: around that way. Yeah, it's about an hour away from us west, heading west, so it's probably further for you, but it's at least, yeah, it'd be heading towards this way.
0: I go through the Cotswolds sometimes to get to like um, KTM. So Do it. I've got to go next week. Yeah, I've got to drop the Super Adventure back off and then I'll be picking up my Trident, which has been there for like, it'll be six <laughs> weeks or so. That's a know, five second weeks. home. <laughs> so yeah, and I'm, I'm filming at Triumph as well next week. So that's going nice. to be exciting. I can't really say a great deal, but uh, yeah. it's not like a massive surprise. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's good.
1: That is cool. So what have you done up to to this week then? What's your uh, week breakdown?
0: Uh, What have I done this week? I took the 1250 GS out a couple of times to um, just get some final footage because I took it back to BMW yesterday and picked my street twin up. Riding two hours to BMW on the GS, it's like nothing. And then riding two hours on the motorway back on a street twin just feels like, (laughs) what? (laughs) <laughs> How can
1: like two motorcycles does it,
0: <laughs> does it feel like pedalling home? Uh, it's, you know what? It's a very, it's still a peachy smooth motor. Mm-hmm. I really like that about it. It was just that I had like the heated seat on the GS and the heated grips <laughs> and the wind protection. It's got really good wind protection actually for, yeah. uh, you know, an adventure bike. And yeah, then on the way back, you know when you can see that huge block of grey that extends from the clouds down to the road in the distance. And you're like, this motorway might wiggle off in enough of a (laughs) sort of meandering direction to avoid Mm -hmm. it. And then you're like, oh no, it's going back towards it. And I got absolutely, for the first time in a while, I got absolutely soaked on my way back. And someone emailed me last week about a new app. And what it does is you put your route into it Mm -hmm. and it checks the weather. Uh, kind of like based on where you'll be at that time right, and tells okay. you whether it's, it's going to rain on your route yeah. and then you can choose an alternative route. And uh, it just didn't occur to me to use it, but yesterday yesterday would have been a perfect time because there's a couple, <laughs> couple of ways to get back. So yeah, I got a, a good drenching, but I really, really enjoyed being out filming with the with the GS, yeah. and then today the Speed Triple 1200 RS just got dropped off. I'm at home Ooh. editing because the the weather's lousy, but that's in the garage now. I've only got it till Tuesday, though, and tomorrow... Well, today's wow. horrendous. Tomorrow, it's forecast 45-mile-per-hour winds.
1: Yeah, it's not looking great for the week. <laughs> yeah, best of luck week, with that one.
0: The weekend's the weekend, yeah. and then mon- Monday's my, my only shot, really, to get out and get... Get full days riding on it. Right,
1: so nice. I'm just going to check. Don't let it put you off at all if I'm checking the weather on Monday. But uh, yeah. Oh no. Oh, you've got a chance. You've got you're all right there. You might still get wet, but not. <laughs> Should as be better bad. than today. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And uh, that's yeah. That's it really. Apart from. Well, no, actually, I've got no press bikes now lined up, which I, I, is intentional. I've had so many; it's been keeping me so so busy. Sure. It's hectic. Mm-hmm. You, you get towards like. Oh, it's got to go back in a few days' time. Then it rains and you don't get a day of filming yeah. in, and then you, you start getting a bit stressed about it. And I think I just need a bit of time to catch up on some editing. And st- I've started sticking a few news videos back up as well. I got out of the habit of doing it because I was doing more reviewing, but yeah, yeah. there's been some good stuff coming up.
1: I mean, you do it while you've while you've got what you've got, don't you? If there's loads of news pops yeah. up, then you do news. If you've got a load of bikes sitting there, then it would be silly not to ride them. So yeah, that's no, good.
0: Yeah, Although yeah. Well, it has it's been like find... it's,
1: it's the April showers seems to have moved to May. It's it's now May showers and it's it's awful. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's. I thought it was going to get easier. We had quite a good April and I was out riding yeah. lots. But yeah, it's not been that easy. But speaking of mm. news videos, mm-hmm. uh, it's just gone off on my channel actually. The R7 announcement. Uh, which you said you've been so busy you haven't even yeah. been I able started, to glance so yeah, at it. Yeah,
1: I, cursory, I saw it pop up. And I sort of, I'll be honest, what I did was make some assumptions in my head. And you can tell me whether they're or not they're they're correct. Uh, but Go my assumption it. was if it's an R7, then it's essentially an MTO7 tuned up, that it'll be a sportier, racier version of the MTO7. And that actually it fills a market that I, I guess if you don't know, it's, it's, it would seem new and kind of a fresh innovation. But... Uh, the old kind of old class of 90s onwards kind of sports bikes of the um, CB 600, CBR 600, sorry, um, and Suzuki gsxr uh 600. They also yeah. made this 750 and the the gsxr 750 is touted, renowned for being one of the best sports bikes you could ever buy because it fits this really nice market of having a little bit more power than a 600 but not as much weight as a thousand so my assumption is that an r7 is just a a sort of a platform upon that uh, foundation really which is can't really be bad
0: well let let me try and fill you in um and this is one of the most controversial bikes launched Hmm. i think in recent memory for me you know my uh, video thumbnail is not at all clickbaity. It's yeah. literally a picture of the bike and then it just says new 2021 R7, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. And it's getting three times higher click-through rate, sorry, than uh, than an average video on my channel. Yeah. So there's, fundamentally, there's something that's really kind of dividing people and there's what, a so lot of comments. So when you say
1: dividing, yeah, what, the, what are the comments like then? So people, some people not
0: liking it? Well... For one, uh, they've used the R7 name and the R7 was the World Superbike Homologation Special that they launched in 1999. Ah, So for anyone listening that's not kind of really familiar with this, with World Superbikes, you have to sell a certain number of bikes on the market to be able to race them, which I think is different to like MotoGP. Um, where it's right, like a okay. specialist bike mm-hmm. and that's optional to sell it in the same way that you might think of touring cars versus Formula One, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think just people feel like it's sacrilege to use that name. Uh, so maybe people were saying it should have been like the 700RF
1: or something. Yeah, what, what, are you gonna call, what else are you going to call it? If you've got, right, so you've got their street range, their naked range, that's MT. You've got their sports range, that's an R. What else are you going to put on there? Other than I don't know,
0: mate. RO7? I, I don't really buy into this whole thing, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of products and cars and motorcycles that use names from the past.
1: Yeah. To I, kind like you of, say, I though, it, it's, it is. It's a, hot, it's a hot button, isn't it, for some people? It's a bit of a trigger. And uh, it's, like it's across really... a few of them, you can probably think of a few. But I think did the Trident as well have like a... People had issue with that because that's reviving the name of things. The bobber, for example, from Triumph, and they're like, it's not a bobber. Don't call it a bobber. Like, what you what you call it apparently really matters to people.
0: Yeah, like it's some kind of, like, religious, sacred thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, perhaps what's contributed to that is the fact that it was such a, you know, performance-orientated machine. Sure. Um, So perhaps people feel like the R7 doesn't live up to the name. Right. And so it's like a disappointment perhaps because they knew an R7 was coming and then when it arrived, it's, um, you know, an MTO7 essentially. I get it. Um, Yeah.
1: You get your hopes up and then it's not quite as good as you you expected or wanted.
0: But I I would agree with you that like, let's say that original R7 never existed. Yeah. What would they call it? Of course, they'll just call it the R7. Yeah. So you kind of just have to forget that bike. I mean, it's and 20 like, years it as well, so I mean, it's the... not
1: like it's it's a new thing. It's 20 years ago. Most people it, yeah, are going to be it... looking at that bike, I would imagine, or a fair proportion of the people
0: looking at the bike won't know of the previous R7. Yeah. And also, like, how daft would it have been if they had the R125, the R3, the 700 <laughs> YZF, yeah. and then the R1? Everyone would be like, what? That's daft. Yeah. The other thing that I think is grinding people's gears is the fact that essentially it's filling the gap that the r6 left so like you were saying about super sports you know that market has died off the um the r6 is no longer on sale you can Mm -hmm. only get the cbr 600 in japan maybe the us but you can't get it in europe Mm -hmm. um they just don't sell in big enough numbers the daytona that went and so i also think people see it as a bit of a disappointment in terms of slotting into that gap in the range but what i would argue is like it's not a replacement for that bike. Super mm. sport bikes just don't sell in big enough volumes to be worth it, I guess. Like the CBR six hundred, I, I think it's Euro five as well. That means it's not really kind of worth updating here because you know they don't sell in big enough numbers. Yeah. So look, that that genre of bike is kind of dead or dying off, or certainly not in its prime. Yeah. The R seven is like it's a different thing it's more accessible it's more kind of street orientated i'd, I'd argue than the R6 mm-hmm. and also it's it's something that they can crank out at relatively low r&d costs because it's not worth investing loads into developing a new R6 whereas like the platform is already there for the uh, CP2 parallel twin mm-hmm. so i you know i think i think people are getting a little bit like, is this the old R7 replacement? Is this an R6 replacement? It's none of those things. The old R7's gone. The old R6 has gone. Yeah. This is a new bike that is just a spinoff of that platform. I think the other thing, though, as well, Tim, is that you said, oh, it's basically an MTO7, but tuned up. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's a bit disappointing that peak power, peak torque are bang on exactly the same as the MTO7. Oh. Yeah, well, it doesn't even rev out a bit higher. You know, so let's say the 890 Duke from KTM, mm-hmm. and then you've got the 890 Adventure. Mm-hmm. Slightly different tunes in those two bikes. And so you'd expect that. A bit more yeah. torque for the Adventure bike. A bit more top end for the uh, super naked. Well, not super naked, middleweight naked. Yeah. So I perhaps can see how it's a little disappointing Do in you that Have they said anything about price? Do we know anything about price? Well, this is it. It's going to be about eight grand. And how much is the MT-07? seven okay but you do get some stuff so you get a slipper clutch which is not um on any of the other cp2 bikes so if you're banging down the gears obviously you don't want the rear wheel locking up so that's quite a nice little extra little feature there that makes it a bit more sporting friendly yeah and um it's a assist clutch as well slip assist uh so 33 percent lighter at the lever that's a, a side benefit of that type of clutch, I think, because yeah. it's not the sort of bike... Well, you'd argue that the mt 7 is more so the kind of bike that you'd be sat in traffic holding the clutch. So that's where it would matter, yeah, right? Would say, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the slipper that they've put it on for. Uh, fully adjustable fork, upside down fork, whereas it's like one of the weaker points of the MTO7 is the yeah. suspension. Like mm. that's a big area that the Trident has come in and kind of pushed it forward in terms of... Um, you know, the handling and stuff, whereas yeah. the MTO7's kind of had it easy for a while and they haven't had to fit great mm-hmm. suspension because it was just the default in that market. Uh, yeah, this bike, it gets fully adjustable f- uh, front su- f- uh, front suspension, the fork, yeah. and then a rebound and preload adjustable shock, although that's also true of the MTO7, I believe. The brakes are also upgraded, so they're radial and a radial master cylinder, a Brembo. What else is there? Obviously, you've got the fairing, mm. rear sets, clip-ons to mm-hmm. get you into that riding position. Mm-hmm. Uh, electronics, they didn't say anything about. And I don't know if you're like fully aware of this, Tim, but the MTA-7 has nothing. I it <laughs> I was going to guess, yeah. I mean, it, to be honest... It has I, ABS.
1: Yeah, and I was going to... Well, yeah, because it's, it's a legal requirement. I was thinking in terms of... Um, Again, if, if, what I should have probably done is extend it or expand upon my assumptions of the bike. Because if I was just taking a stab in the dark, I'd have said, what's the difference between these two? Probably better suspension, better brakes, because that just makes it more sporty. So it makes sense to yeah. me. Um, I would, I mean, probably want to see, with a modern bike at least, like you say, some kind of electronics, uh, if I can say it, electronics package on the a sportier bike, I don't know, or a more modern bike. I would want to see maybe a bit more on there, especially, I mean, like traction control, you know, or some kind of intelligent traction control would be a good thing on a bike where you might be pushing the limits.
0: Possibly, but then we've also got to remember that it's 72 horsepower. And so riding modes, traction control, like lean sensitive stuff, do you really Valid. need it? And actually like, is it is that simplistic experience actually more rewarding for the rider you could well, argue it either way
1: yeah well uh, yeah you could and if it keeps the price down as well because that's one of the things that yamaha is very good at is keeping the price down uh, my yeah my wonder in terms of keeping the engine exactly the same is that if you don't have to redevelop anything uh, or change anything then you again you keep the price down don't you and they i mean that clearly is one of their big focuses and like you say across yeah. almost the entire range i would say their suspension is a little bit um I don't want to say Just subpar, basic. but yeah, yeah, basic in comparison to some others. Um, which helps keep uh, the the cost of the price down. If you're not gonna push it
0: really hard, then you probably won't notice so much, but it's it's mm. it's crucial as well to keep that price down because you've got um the ninja six fifty, which makes nearly as much power, and yeah. that's uh, seven grand, which is a great deal. Yeah. Next up you've got the um CBR six fifty R which is about eight grand and that's quite powerful 94 horses compared to the um Mm-hmm. Yamaha, so that's an extra twenty. It's still road focused.
1: Um, yeah, it's a four cylinder as well. So you're talking a different kind of character as well. Are you gonna. It's rev it it's
0: them? really high up that yeah. power. Twelve thousand revs. I, I I don't think you can properly use it like in most situations. But and and also that bike is a little heavier. Like twenty kilograms heavier than yeah. the uh, Ninja and the Yamaha. But then the big problem I think is the Aprilia RS 660, which was, is like yeah. ten grand. Yeah. So like. 8 and 10, two grand difference, that's mm-hmm. enough That's enough space to warrant the fact that uh, you don't have any of those electronics. But mm-hmm. as standard, the Aprilia has a quick shifter up and down, adaptive headlights, like lean-sensitive. It has lean-sensitive mm-hmm. rider aids, TFT dash. I can't remember all the other stuff, but plenty of things. I think it even has those built-in winglets into the fairing. Yeah, and we it's were just talking like...
1: about that when it was first being announced, weren't we? That's
0: yeah, it's got it everything. Does.
1: And, so, and, and you know, and all of those electronics are going to work on you absolutely fine. That's the other thing
0: that's really nice with an Italian bike. Exactly. <laughs> um, So yeah, the, the more it kind of creeps up, you, the closer you get into that and then the harder it is to justify going for the Yamaha. The other thing is like super twin racing, which I'm not that familiar with. I mean, neither of us are like into going to track days or whatever, but a default choice for that. I think the ER6N was for a while and the, you know, the Ninja 650. Also the SV650. And I wonder if this R7 is going to become like the default choice for that kind of racing. It looks like a good, cheap, I mean, it's decent got be, option. Yeah, it'd be something you consider for sure.
1: I know the SV, the SV does really well, actually. People really like that. It's, it's quicker than you sort of give it credit or think of, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah. they're really cheap. So if you're going to take a track bike... Something you might yeah. drop. You want to go for, you know, you, you want to save your money a little bit, don't you?
0: But yeah, I thought I was going to read out some of the comments for you from the on my channel because it's like, honestly, except it looks like a two fifty design fail. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what? Oh, doesn't that just sort of mean that they're that they're smaller capacity bikes? Look cooler than they should do. Uh,
0: you can read
1: that one or two ways. You can either read that the, the little their one two fives and two fifties look cool enough to be sort of up there with the with the seven hundred, or that they just looks good enough.
0: On the other hand, you've got someone saying finally a worthy successor to the SV 650s. So you know Ooh. we were on the mark there. Mm. what the hell are they thinking? 70 horsepower, horsepower and then laughing emojis. Like that's the that's the kind of person who's comparing it to the R6, you know, when that was up at like 110 or something, 120. Yeah. Um, the look is kind of like the R6's cute but nerdy cousin. Well, I don't know, mate. There's some weird stuff in here. But yeah, it's all like mixed bags. Can't get excited about 70 horsepower in a pretty frock. Hardly a super sport.
1: Yeah, I I sort of get it, actually. One of the things I thought or actually failed to remember, I should say, to my uh, own detriment, is Mm. uh, if it was the MT-07. See, I was thinking of the the 700 class of uh, sports bike. And if we're talking super sports of days gone from Yamaha, Kawasaki, they were were four-cylinder. So in my head, I've linked the four-cylinder with the two-cylinder. Um, and mm. forgot that obviously they're very, very different in terms of the power, especially. So yeah, it, maybe it's not exactly... I, I, I get some of the um, frustration then, yeah. If you're losing a four-cylinder high-end sports bike with the R6 and you're gaining an R7, which is a twin instead, which is fine, but very different. Yeah. yeah I can sort of understand some of the frustration in that, actually, now.
0: The thing is though, mate, I feel like there are two bunches of bikers. There are those that would get an inline four that revs up, and ride it on the road and flog it and not really care about how quick they're going, mm-hmm. you know? And I think if you're from that camp, you're probably disappointed about it and nostalgic for the days of the nineties, where there were loads of bikes of that nature that were simple, electronically very simple yeah. and had that kind of revvy, uh, great sound at the top mm-hmm. of the revs. Uh, and then there's people who are like a little bit more cautious about their speed and I think for that kind of rider, this is probably a better bike. It makes its power lower down. It's got well, more torque.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's. I mean, yeah, they're developing it for a modern market. Unfortunately, so. But and then you've got a whole range of different riders out there, as you say, haven't you? You've got people who've been riding for a long time. They know all the bikes. They like. They know the history of the bikes and what they're replacing. And they'd be frustrated at losing what they've had. In which case, you know, just buy a second hand yeah. and keep your old bike. But. If you've got the the newer market, the newer riders out there, then I don't know, maybe they'll get behind it and they're excited. But but like Yamaha's got to that... play to the new market, haven't they? Or most of the, most manufacturers would play to a new market. Yeah, I
0: guess so. Yeah, and um, look, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, a month ago around about that i took my trident in for its first service and got the xsr 700 as a courtesy bike yeah i was super busy that day so i didn't really get to go off for like a long ride but Mm. i just rode home came and did some work and then rode it back to the dealer which is like half an hour away and i've got to say i had a great time just riding half an hour home and then half an hour back but i took in a couple of decent roads i sort of like detoured a bit Mm. And uh, for me, if you like doing that sort of riding where you can push the bike a bit on the road and feel like you are uh, pushing it a bit harder rather than riding like a Revy inline four at 20% throttle, Mm -hmm. then this is going to be loads of fun, surely.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, it would do, but then it's the, but then you'd get the MT-07 or the XSR 700 if you want something of that style. It looks like
0: like an R1 though. yeah.
1: I, I, it looks I, cool. I get it. It's different. I mean, it's, it depends, doesn't it? Really, and not everyone's yeah. going to like that. I personally, same as you, I don't necessarily like sports position. I don't think, especially on the road, on the track. I'm sure it's it's fine. That's where it's made for. But if you're on mm. the road, it was like when we went out together, um, and you took a go on mine. And I could tell you were enjoying it because from the video that I watched back and you were whooping um, through, audibly whooping through wind noise, which Yeah, (laughs) like 60 mile an hour wind noise. Um, But there's just something nice about, you just sort of, you sat upright, the weight's off your wrists. It's easier to tackle bumpier roads where you're not quite sure of your surroundings. Uh, You can feel a bit more confident and comfortable because of that as well. So I think for me, if I was going for that market, yeah, if it's the same bike essentially, apart from the brakes and suspension, although suspension is a big, big thing, um, I'd probably end up going for the the, uh, street
0: version of it, either one of those two street versions. Well, that's fair enough, Tim. I think (laughs) I'd agree, but I'm still going to have a go on one if I can. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. I honestly think if I was buying a bike right now, it would probably be an adventure bike, though. I just think... (laughs) The flexibility yeah. is un, unrivaled. And I've had a string of them now. So what have we yeah. had, the Tiger 850 Sport, Tiger 900, yeah. 890 Adventure, 1290 Super Adventure, uh, 1250 GS. So obviously I've you know had a bit of time to get used to them. That comfort on the motorway. You know, in Britain, there aren't endless like long stretches of beautiful winding roads. There are bits and bobs here and there. And in between, you just have to sit in and like get between them essentially. And there's a bit of motorway riding. I just don't think I've enjoyed my days out as much on other, you know, styles or types of bike mean... as I have with an adventure bike. You just Sometimes, hop on, yeah, comfort, you know, but when you get to the twisties, you're not as cocooned as like a touring bike. Yeah.
1: Really fun bikes on those roads. Like mine's great on a twisty road, but it's a slog to get there. You have to persevere to get there. And then you get the enjoyment, you hope the road is enjoyable enough to kind of uh, offset the boring motorway stuff you did to get there. Uh, I would say there is a small caveat to that. And when we say Britain, I would also say that maybe there are some areas of Scotland and Wales, and I don't know, Cornwall, let's say, you know, when you get to the sort of outskirts where you can do linking seamlessly sort of uh, sweeping (laughs) roads. Um, yeah. But you are at some point, you're going to have to hit a straight road and it's going to be boring. So, yeah, I know I get it. I do get it. I don't think I'm quite there yet. Out, out of the ones that you've tried, because you've recently given back the BMW and obviously um, now have the KTM, out of those two, which do you prefer?
0: Uh, I haven't wrapped up my thoughts on the KTM properly yet. I think I need a really good day out to to truly know but it's very very hard to look past the gs the suspension Mm. on it is incredible the kind of active uh, semi-active suspension you know i just leave it in auto never need to change it and it just always seems to perfectly adjust whereas when i was riding the super adventure back from ktm the other day it was like Mm. a little bit cushy and bouncy on the rear on the motorway in the auto mode so i was starting to play with the settings haven't really had that with the with the gs and also look it really comes down to whether you want a 160 horsepower Mm v-twin or a smoother but perhaps a little bit less fruity and exciting boxer twin you know Mm -hmm. 136 horsepower it will shift it's so fast the gs um i was really surprised especially when you crank the throttle shift cam bang honestly you wouldn't even see me come in (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, there's even more top end and excitement with the KTM. And I think mm. the other thing to consider is if you were riding two up with luggage, you might appreciate that extra 25 horsepower. It's a lot.
1: Uh, is it noticeable, though? Is it noticeably more?
0: Uh, that's the one saying I need a proper good day okay. out to be like. But I mean, sometimes I, lo- I
1: find that when, you, yeah, it's odd. Like the, the numbers don't always tell the full story. So sometimes it's like, oh, it's got like 20,
0: 30 horsepower more, but it doesn't I'd feel say like for- it. For 90% of your riding, yeah, you're probably not going to no- notice a big difference. I wouldn't yeah. say the GS feels underpowered. I mean, the the other thing that's a bit tricky, mate, is like in the spec that the GS was sort of loaned out to me, it was a 21 grand accessory package and bike combination. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think the Super Adventure is in uh, 15 grand-ish base spec. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard comparison because um, it's not like for like. I will say, though, it has the Adaptive Cruise on the Super Adventure, and that is like a game changer for me. It's so, so good. That might be one of the big factors. That's got to come to the GS next year. Surely they've got it on the RT. Mm -hmm. Super Adventure's got it. So I feel like almost certainly that's coming to the GS, and that'll make the decision harder. But for me if i was buying a bike now that i was going to keep for five years perhaps as my workhorse for youtubing yeah and there was an option to have adaptive cruise or not i'd be really 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 tempted i'd, I'd like to know if you had the same budget 21 grand which i don't but if i did <laughs> like what would the super adventure be like if i went berserk in the accessories catalog and i think it would be yeah. pretty epic but yeah Fun times, definitely enjoying myself on the adventure bikes. I also like the fact that you can just, especially around Monmouthshire and stuff, there's loads of tiny gravelly lanes and it's not a necessity, is it, a bike like that to go and explore those types of little lanes, but to be up high and see Mm -hmm. over the hedges Mm -hmm. and to have all that travel in the suspension just kind of feels right. A good standing position if you want to just lift yourself out the saddle for a moment to avoid the worst of it. Like, it just feels right. Mm-hmm. going down these little lanes slowly as on, on like a big tractor of a bike. So uh, that's the other side I've really thoroughly enjoyed and it's just been um, cracking. But I think the, the adventure bikes will come to an end soon and I'll try and focus on <laughs> something else.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like at some point you're getting one. I mean, I know I know at some point you're getting one because that's what everyone does. <laughs> it's just a question mm. of when. When do you get one?
0: Well, but when I got the, the Trident as a company bike, it was... A question of budget i didn't want to finance yeah. it but now actually i was looking at it and i was thinking i could have got a used tiger 1200 for that money yeah, i was walking could, around yeah. fowlers the other day you can pick them up for seven grand yeah. with like fifteen thousand miles or something not yeah. massive no shocked i was, uh, shocked. I was looking
1: them. a little while back you know every now and then you just check don't you um, and then yeah. just like, am I there yet? Nah. But there was the Tiger, the eight hundreds and stuff as well. You can get them for really good money, and they're not even like stupid high mileage or like really mm. worn out or anything. It's still good. It's incredible.
0: It's kind of surprising because I think the Tiger nine hundred has been reviewed pretty well. Um, but I think availability of the the Tiger fifty Sport is. I know a lot of people trying to get hold of them and struggling, mm-hmm. and it's not just Triumph. All bike manufacturers are struggling to get bikes in. I think Yamaha are having really bad problems as well mm. certainly honda i know i don't know what their bikes for sale are like but press bikes has been difficult beginning of the year tiger 900 tiger 850 haven't been that easy to get a hold of and i would have thought that that might have kept the Value of the 800s up, perhaps, but I think it's just such a big seller that there's a lot of choice on the market. And so,
1: yeah, it's the same with the street triples and stuff because you'll find them for really decent money as well because there are so many of them. I remember when I was trying to sell mine, it was quite hard just because how do you stand out from the crowd? But, um, get an orange one, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? The orange one, yeah, it was hard to. I mean, it was a decent enough bike, but there was loads of them. If I was looking online, a lot of the bikes like when i was selling the grizo there was like three you had a choice of about three so if you were on the grizo it was mine or two others but if you're selling uh if you're well, selling why something is that like, that's so weird tim <laughs> I, I, I honestly couldn't answer that question for you i'm afraid it's just um, that's unusual you know i know and i love it so much you know uh <laughs> i actually did like that bike a lot um but as you say the market is tight at the moment loads of people want bikes there are less of them coming in so actually across the board i think all bikes have gone up at least a little bit so it's it's a good time to sell a bike
0: this sort of segues us on nicely to to the post that you put in the um facebook group
1: hells yeah doesn't it
0: yeah yeah so tim tim posted up saying um what's the favorite bike Oh, sorry. What's your favorite bike that you've ever owned? Mm. And uh, Tim, I thought you better kick us off there because you (laughs) were just talking about the Street Triple and the Grizo, And I thought it's got to be one of those two, hasn't it?
1: Oh, what? Me? Me? My best? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the Grizo is in contention for (laughs) my best (laughs) bike ever. No. Yeah. So I said, uh, what's your favorite bike you've ever owned and the reason for it? Um, I would say the best bike that I've ever owned, although it's not, that exotic is the street triple. Yeah. Comfortably. And it's a really, it's almost dull to say, but it just is. It's, it's great. You can tour on it in comfort. It's, you don't need anything faster than that on the road. You could take on a track if you were so inclined and you had the option to. And it's, I think, quite cool looking as well. They're sort of retro. I I think I prefer the Speed Triple. I never owned it, but I think I prefer the Speed Triple of the same era, 2009-ish. Yeah, with the
0: round headlights.
1: Yeah, but they look really cool. And they're actually almost, well, they are. They're retro looking at the moment as well because of those round headlights. And I Mm -hmm. really like that. But yeah, if you want a bike that does everything, no bike does everything. But if you want a bike that nearly does everything, on the road, obviously, you're never going to take it off road. Um, yeah. Then you can't get much better than a speed or a street triple. That's Funny. fair,
0: mate. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've, my motorcycle ownership history is very, very short compared to yours. Hmm. Tim's got a new bike every five minutes, <laughs> and when I say new, I don't mean brand new. No. Tim's just always—I guess you've just got that itch to go on Auto Trader, which I also have, hmm. but mine, mine never gets out of control. But uh, yeah, I like it. I love seeing all the different bikes that you've had. And I think it does add to your experience a lot. But I think I've just been kind of lucky that uh, I got into doing the YouTube stuff and then I started getting bikes fairly regularly and managed to sort of um, resist upgrading, I suppose. I did really well out of the street twin for a while in terms of content. And that really helped grow the channel. Mm. Um, But yeah, so I, I had an ER6N for a few years whilst I was first starting out on YouTube then the Street Twin, and then now added the Trident a few years later. And uh, which is the best one of those? I mean, it's gotta be the Trident, I suppose. Although the Street Twin is still great. And uh, there's even a lot to be said for the ER6M because it was two grand, and then I sold it for two grand. Yeah. And the performance specs are like really similar to the Trident. It's a bit heavier, bit down on power, Mm -hmm. but it's not a million miles away. Um, so yeah it was a good bike best value for money easily I got so much riding out of that and Mm -hmm. it was still in good nick when I got rid of it but I think just sheer modernity and all the little features it has means the Trident's easily the best but um, I'd love to know what went down on the group have you had a chance to scan through I have yeah yeah
1: Um, so yeah there's, there's a hell of a spread but when you're saying about the sort of, uh, yeah, so there's all the mod cons that you've got on your Trident and it's a modern bike. And ultimately, normally you would expect that to win just because it's it's higher tech and it's uh, better performance, I suppose. But uh, there is a lot to be said for the character. So when you say the reason I wanted to ask people their, you know, their reasons for it, I assume they would give anyway, but I want to know the mindset of why it's your best. And that can be if it's not quite as technically uh, proficient, but it just has some character that you can't get away yeah. from so this i mean the street twin would have been an absolutely fine choice for you or even the ER, er6 not my my favorite firstly it's the one i actually learned on but um but if you know if it gives you that feeling if it's just if it's got the nostalgia to it then that's always yeah. that's fine as well that's a, a reasonable argument so the first one i had uh straight out the gate was from ed priest oh yeah you said a 1989 fzr 250
0: oh yeah i'm looking at that now that yeah. is pretty cool that's for a nice bike head over to Facebook and search for Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast. We'll let you in. It's a private group, but we let everyone in. We've only ever booted one person. And you could be the second. (laughs) There you go. Aim for it. That's the target to aim for. But, but yeah, if you look on that group, you'll that. find
1: them. You'll find the nicest. Yeah. yeah, most of them have put pictures in there, which is handy because although I, I know bikes, but uh, there's always going to be some blank spots where you don't actually, or you can't picture it. So that's a really cool retro-looking bike. And whether his was the same, uh, I'm assuming not the uh, Marlboro colours that he's gone for on that one. But I get that because he was saying. So the reason is um, that it was great fun to ride as a beginner and made a great noise, which I can completely. Side with on because uh, he was saying it revs up to sixteen thousand rpm or, or sort of gave close to that. I had a uh, Kawasaki uh, ZR two fifty,
0: which mm. was an
1: Australian import. I think they don't even make them in this country, but it was a naked version of a I think they did a ZZR two fifty, but it was a four cylinder two fifty. It must have had pistons like thimbles. And the yeah. same thing, it revved to 19,000 and it sounded like a GP bike. It was ridiculous. It had no power.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you were actually going like 20 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. So yeah, I had nothing to do. And actually, I think that also kind of killed the clutch as well because it needed a clutch replacement when I got it. Um, yeah. Because it was just spinning up so quickly and giving you nothing. So it must have been geared, strangely. But um, I, I, yeah, it was so fun. It, I mean, it was silly. It was spongy. It was old, but it sounded fantastic. Um, and there is something to be said for having a, a fun little, like, no frills bike.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, James Stanley goes for a similar sort of size. So he had a CR250.
0: Well, wait a sec. What does he say at the beginning of yeah, his comment? street twin. He says he loves his street twin, and you've chosen to omit that. Well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just gloss over it and move on to the crt CLT. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, so far, fair enough. Uh, he said he's got a street twin, which obviously he likes, which I think probably there's a fair amount of the crowd sort of uh, similar bikes to you i um, have sort of followed you over from
0: your channel. That is so hey. reductionist. <laughs> You're essentially saying that, like, that the only reason that people are saying the street twin or street scrambler is because... They follow me on YouTube, but now they listen to the podcast. Well, honestly. You know,
1: <laughs> you're saying it, I'm not you saying it. You it. <laughs> didn't you borrow
0: it for a bit? When did you ride mate, off on my street uh, I'd own one.
1: Uh, the, <laughs> the reason I went for a Ducati Scrambler is because I wanted to be a little bit different, more to my costs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the obvious, you should have gone for the street twin, but I've got a Ducati Scrambler. What can we say? That's what I've ended up with. I just didn't want to copy you. It seemed like <laughs> otherwise people could be like, You just you just a pale comparison.
0: We would have looked <laughs> like a right pair of losers, wouldn't we? Yeah,
1: I could have got it sprayed in uh sort of contrasting colours at least and then you know yeah. it'd match. it be beautiful. But no, so here's his so moving on anyway to his CR two fifty, which uh from nineteen ninety one had it from the age of fourteen. And uh that's would that's a motocross kind of bike, isn't it? I sort of get mixed up with my starter bikes, but that's a motocross um two stroke. Yeah. You gotta love a good old uh two stroke, just blatting through some fields. Take yeah, it off-road. No. That way, they always sort of remind me of the uh the Terminator two kind of setup. <laughs> Honestly, that's the picture I get in my head of someone in like their, their early teens riding something like that, is running away from the T eight hundred? T one T one thousand, sorry, T one thousand.
0: Yeah, on his um It's not the fat bob. Something like that.
1: Oh, no, no. Yeah, before they get onto the Fat Bob. When they're on the little, I think it's a Honda. I could be completely off on that one. But they're on their little red and white scrambler type I thought it was
0: the kid was on that. What's the Terminator on?
1: Yeah, he's on a Fat Bob.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he takes a massive jump into... It's
0: not a Fat Bob, though. It's (laughs) something else. It's the one with the disc wheels. It looks crazy. I like that.
1: But yeah, Which one but that, would you go for?
0: <laughs> very different from the CR250, though, because they're going down a um, like a, one of those big drainage storm drain. Yeah, yeah. Storm drain. He drains.
1: takes it off the uh, takes it like for a twenty foot drop, <laughs> and it's absolutely so you've fun. Got,
0: you've got to race a uh, maniac robot that's trying to kill you down a storm drain, Tim. Would What's you go it? for the dirt bike
1: or the big Harley? We've taken a tangent, so but I'll I'll play out. Uh, I would go, I mean, I'd go for probably the Harley because it's going to outrun. The thing they were on was like a 50cc or something. I don't even think it was a 250. You're going to struggle to outrun the truck that is chasing you.
0: You know, we're always talking about like, oh, we should do like, I mean, it's hard to find time to both film together, but that would be a great, we should do a Terminator (laughs) challenge. Sure. Where we get those two bikes and do a series (laughs) of trials. All right, you don't sound as keen as me. I'll be the Terminator if you want.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. No, I want to be the Terminator. I'm not running outrunning. i do...
0: You're on a, a losing fight if you try to outrun. We can't both be the Terminator, and it's my idea, so
1: <laughs> So we're just gonna go harass people both as Terminators, dual Terminators, and find people on suitable bikes to chase and harass and intimidate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right, one day. Maybe that'll be the uh, when I get to 100,000 on my channel, we can go and do that to celebrate. <laughs> then you've got uh, Brett who's got, he's only ever owned one bike and it's that Triumph, isn't it? That he sent it a photo
0: of. Super old Bonneville in that really classy blue colour. I absolutely love the look of that thing. Although it's probably not, I mean, in the UK with our weather, I think probably that's going to end up looking a bit of a mess in about two weeks of my kind of riding. Uh, but if you live in a better climate, I think he's in mm. Hawaii um it's probably a bit wet there sometimes to say the least probably, but probably quite wet yeah i would hope you get more good days where you can uh make the most of that bike it does look super cool He's though
1: so clean as well he
0: that's what i'm saying <laughs> yes yeah, so i couldn't clean. i couldn't like the trident for example it's mainly plastic yeah apart from the chain and it already the chain's got a bit of rust on it after <laughs> owning it for like a month
1: no, it's, it's like, a, it's a guilty thing, isn't it? I'm always quite ashamed. You turn up and you feel like you've got your dirty washing out on display because you see the little bits of rust and stuff on it. I'm like, I do take care <laughs> of it, I swear. Yeah. But yeah. If you live with a bike, it's going to get a bit dirty unless you are Brett, where uh, apparently he can keep that bike going forever. Which is Russell's impressive. next
0: up with His, the...
1: Can you tell me what that is? <laughs> you don't know what that is? Well, I know it's a BMW, but beyond that... Keep I'm... going. Keep guessing no <laughs> <laughs> i've run out hold on let me let me if I expand it i can read on the side something something wait 12 need rct rt rt rt
0: yeah rt is the touring boxer twin essentially mm-hmm. so it's the one that i rode recently that had adaptive cruise uh mm-hmm. but this is the older version i don't know if that's a i think that might be 1150 but perhaps uh after they tweaked it and give it a facelift but it's Pretty much the exact same bike my dad's got. My dad's got the previous gen. And he mm-hmm. says it's like the best bike he's owned, I think, as well.
1: Yeah. He said, I mean, the same argument you had with the old touring bikes
0: recently. He said it's the most comfortable, forgiving bike I've ever had. The best Which thing about them, I think, is, I mean, if you like a boxer twin, obviously that's going to help. Um, and they they are really smooth at speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's the front end, Telelever, you know? It's yeah. so good. That's mm-hmm. the big, uh, the dynamic suspension on the GS and the Telelever front end um, make it just feel so plush and comfy and it doesn't wallow, even though it's kind of nice and soft because it has that anti-dive built in. Um, yeah. They're just brilliant. And obviously, look at the wind protection on that as well. And even back then, I think they still have an uh, electronically adjustable screen, which Fair i got to say, Tim, all the adventure bikes I've borrowed recently. I think the Tiger 12, even the previous gen, because uh, I think the update's got to be coming fairly soon, but um, the previous gen had an electric, electronically adjustable screen. But most adventure bikes are manual. Mm. And like the most common use case that I'm getting is um, you've had the screen down, perhaps because you're on like a twisty, you want like, good visibility or yeah. quite often when I'm doing photos, I think if you just put the screen down, it looks a bit more compact and like yeah. looks a bit cooler. And then you set off and then you get to the motorway and you're like, oh, I'm getting so much wind blast in my face. I need to put the screen up. And there's no consistency to the means of raising or lowering the screens. So on the GS, it's like a twist knob. Yeah. On the Tiger 900, you have to press a bar and lift it up. Yeah. And um, I think even the KTM has something different. I'm yeah. Not so, sure what it some is. Some of the
1: Hondas, I think, as well. There was, like a lever. Like a
0: lever thing. Yeah, yeah. On the Pan America, when I saw it the other day, there was a little lever. Yeah. And um, I tried to adjust one when I was on the motorway, and that
1: is a bad idea. That is what I'm (laughs) saying. It's only when
0: you get to the motorway, you realize you need it up. And then because they're all different, it's not even like you're just like, oh, I know how to do this really quick and easy. So Mm -hmm. you you ride it with one hand, stick cruise control on if you've got it, try and keep your eyes on the road and get the screen up. And um, it is. Honestly, I would say electronically adjustable windscreens are... I'm getting soft, aren't I?
1: About my biking. <laughs> are you only just realising that now? Yeah, you are. Come First on, bit, a bit hardy, bit of grit. You need to just no. grit your teeth and get into that rain
0: cloud like you did. <laughs> I'm just saying, Tim, I'd say they're essential. An electronically adjustable screen is non-negotiable. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Who's I, yeah, next? I'll find, yeah, the, the next one is uh, actually, although the name won't give it away, my uncle. So we Kevin don't spend
0: Worth. too much time on him. Yeah, yeah. There he is. Mm.
1: Little shout out. Cheers, uncle.
0: His profile picture is a dog. Is your that's uncle a it, yeah. dog?
1: <laughs> he, he likes his big dogs.
0: That explains a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's not just really good at typing, and I'm not related to a dog. <laughs> That would be incredible. Such dexterity in those paws. Um, no, he uses, um, he uses voice
0: commands probably.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then Google just translates the woof into whatever he's supposed to say. Um, so, yeah, so. he said, uh, woof, 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 woof. Uh, I'm going to translate that to easy, whichever bike I'm on at the time. Uh, That's you're true. A, you're a funny yeah, man. That's a good shout. That, that is exactly the way I feel and most people feel. And there's also the argument of uh, how many bikes is too much, um, one more than the next one that I get. Basically, that's uh, he's gone for, what was it? It's his first bike. Um, so a brand new Honda H100, 32 mm. years ago. Giving away his age a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so this is this is a nice thing for having your first bike though on there. Because it sort of it gives you that freedom. So what we were saying about like my first bike was an SV650. The first one I learned on was uh, an ER6. So, and that's the first, I wanted to buy one of them. My instructor was like, well, you know, maybe look at something else as well, just to sort of give yourself some variety. But the first thing that gives you that freedom, the first experience of a bike you have is going to stick with you for some time, isn't it? Yeah. It's
0: always so you're going you're almost be saying, you might- for an objective opinion on, um, wait, you can't be objectively opinionated, I suppose. For an objective choice yes. of... Uh, best motorcycle you 've ever owned, you kind of have to downweight or discard your first bike because you've got that kind of like novice joy of just being out on the road
1: yeah or, if you want, i mean if you want to be objective about it, but then bikes is always a passionate thing but, i mean it's not a sensible thing if it was <laughs> if you've been sensible, you'd choose some other form of transport the so bus. there's there's loads of other reasons, so I think you can't really disconnect the uh you can't be dispassionate with it you have to choose with your heart and not your head sometimes.
0: Wow, wise words. You I mean this is the most tangential tanden, tangential <laughs> podcast we've had for a while, isn't it? So.
1: Yeah. It's most philosophical.
0: James Ian then. Yeah. He says he's only it. ever only ever owned a Ninja 300. So he has to say that because it's kind of like by default it wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying even if he buys ten more bikes, he'll probably still think <laughs> that that's the best one.
1: Well, it's going to stick in his head. Yeah, I mean, I, not everyone's chosen their first bike. Obviously, like there's been a few people in here choose a bike for certain reasons. It's the you know the comfort or something like that. To be honest, the CB 1300 is would be up there for me because it's a really good, uh, it's a brilliant bike. Honestly, Are you serious? Are you not? I love that bike.
0: Yeah, I just thought bike. you. Were, I just thought you'd say the Moto Guzzi V7. I always thought that was and like and that was uh, in
1: there as well. Honestly, like the the one the two that I had in my head was like best bike I've owned. It was the V7 and the Street Triple I was going between. And then I stumbled upon or chose the Street Triple because I did love it and there was a certain amount of practicality to it as well. It's just versatile. But yeah, before I sort of get to uh taking off with uh, my previous bike and wistfully think of my uh previous bike catalog yeah i'd say that i mean the ninja is going to be up there probably for you james at some point it's still gonna be one you think of fondly if it's your first bike um but you might find something new but that's the point you can always find something new uh that is your favorite bike it's always looking for that perfect bike which i don't think exists to be perfectly honest the more i look the less i find it
0: you but keep whatever. on questing though mate
1: i'll keep on questing good. It's good, it's good content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me breaking down. It's great content. Uh, Bike Bob, I was waiting for his comment. I wanted to see him in there. And normally,
0: wasn't it? What was the last one we ran where he couldn't choose and left about like ten answers? <laughs>
1: yeah, it was similar to this. To be honest with you, I think it was probably a similar question that, I, that we posed. But yeah, his, he's gone for the GS550. On not that's a Suzuki, isn't
0: it? For the no, he didn't go for that. He went for the Bonneville. Oh yeah he said i love you are such a um what speed reader (laughs) no no you're just biased against bonneville's in any generation (laughs) he said i love the way it looked it's joy to ride but it was old and not that reliable so it'd have to be the 2001 bonnie which is the best motorcycle ever made not specifically that year (laughs) oh yeah fine okay it does look cool as well here's 2001 that's the sort of carburetor version um before it went like liquid cooled and stuff and uh they do look nice actually and they hold their value really well if you try and pick one of those up cheap you can't it's a bit like harley's you can't buy cheap harley's either so there are some bikes and
1: brands that just hold their value inexplicably but if you're saying it's the best one and to be fair I would if we're talking about who's ridden more bikes. Bike Bob's he's ridden some quirky beasts like he would he's got a fair amount to uh, compare that to. I what like the, the GS though. It makes it more interesting. I'm going to stick with the GS. I'm going to overrule your decision because you sent a photo of the GS as well. And uh, And he's I got, got a, a photo
0: of the Bonneville one. beneath it. Yeah, but I'm just I'm sticking with the GS. The GS is just well cool. Um Andy Todd says the Street Scrambler that he bought recently for his birthday on his 50th it is a really nice one because he's got it a bit accessoried up it's red Mm -hmm. what's not to like about that and he's gone with the yellow headlight and grill which i think is a classy little touch there because he has got a yellow and red lid on It's color coordinated he's
1: accentuated to the max yeah i love the fact he's turned his head to the side as well so you can really take it in so you know that it
0: matches the bike well you never know something might have just distracted him (laughs) <laughs> at the moment. that Someone's calling him over.
1: Yeah. Is that a showy as well? Is that the showy that he's got on there? I think it is.
0: You should know, mate. Yeah, I really should. Paul, Paul Birmingham. Yeah. I like we've got Wait, something different in there. I said Paul Birmingham. I meant Paul Birmingham has an MT-10 and he says, That's now I've got the suspension rack, right? sorted, a DCAT and a mapping, and everything is great. Why aren't they like this from the factory? Euro 5, isn't it? And Euro 4 before that and Euro 3. That's why they got big cats and they're, and they're mapped for them.
1: It's also uh, I think what about saying about the suspension that that sort of furthers our argument as well with the suspension. I know if you go for the SP, in fact that's the only version of that that I've ridden is uh, got some very stiff suspension but I know the rest of their range. MTO 9 MTO 7 as we said before they do tend to budget on the suspension so yeah
0: i think suspension can be quite expensive like good suspension and so uh like the the speed triple for example when i went to the launch of that someone asked no it was on the phone call briefing someone asked why didn't you put semi-active suspension on it it's like well it just adds to the cost of the bike so much so Mm. it might be one of those areas because it's one of the things that is almost always bought in right yeah yes yeah, yeah No one really makes their own suspension, do they? Unless
1: you buy a company that makes it for you, as in KTM.
0: Oh yeah, um, like WPA. Yeah, yeah but you, then you got to say most KTM's have really good suspension. Like the 390 Adventure had fully adjustable uh, WPA oh, yeah. Apex forks on it that truly excelled versus like the price point of the bike. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do get what he's saying that like certainly with the Dcat and having to map it and you know. There are other requirements there, but it is just kind of frustrating that it's a default oh. for most bikes that you buy yeah. to have to have the RRP and then spend money doing what pretty much everyone does with them. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like an extra cost. And it's yeah. not like everyone's leaving the cats in. Do you know what I mean? So that actually yeah. there's any environmental benefit.
1: It's not that you get that value back either. If you're going to sell it, you know, no one cares that you've done that stuff to it. When, you're, when they're bargaining down the price that no one's going to see, or very few people see the value in that, that they would pay extra for it annoyingly.
0: The best thing about a DCAT and like Euro 5 now, you get in some bikes that have two catalyzers, uh, so they keep adding them kind of in line, is that they're so heavy. Yeah. I remember taking the cat off my er 6N, for example. It like lightened it up a huge amount. Yeah. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. The other thing, you know, you're saying that you don't get any of the money back uh, what they were saying about the Bonnevilles recently and how they've cleaned those up is they've added to the cat and they've had to put more precious metals in there, which has been one of the contributing factors uh, to the price creeping up a little bit. You're yeah. saying you don't get your money back. You need to remove the cat, crack it open, get those <laughs> precious harvest. metals out. Because yeah. <laughs> who wants to wow. buy I um, I don't know, a stock exhaust from a random bike do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But who wants to buy precious metals? Loads of people. Mm. <laughs> Triumph. <laughs> yeah, you've got a new
1: market going. That's good. Is it? Yeah. I was Jewelers. Sure. Well, I mean, what metals are we talking here? <laughs> they're not going to be that precious.
0: We have to Google sure. it, Tim. What? You Google that. I'm
1: going to read out David Garraway's, which precious is the bike I have metal. now: a 2019 BMW F850GS. All the toys. I mean, you've got to admire someone who specs it out to the max. You are a person who likes to spec out your bikes. Me? And, uh, yeah, you love putting a bit of extra on there. I've already got one to base that on, which is the Trident, but you have put as much as you could on there, and it, it works nicely. And you were talking about buying your GS, or if you bought something like that, wanting to stick on everything, because you're getting softer, you know? Electric screens, heated seats. It's yeah. a nice warm bum where you ride. <laughs> but no, it's a nice bike... BMW again, can you fault it? I mean, you've got a a massive love for them at the moment. I think you probably always have, right?
0: I really like that um, 850 GS and uh, especially the GS Adventure as well. I think it looks really cool. But even in that form that, you know, that's almost like very similar to the 1250 GS that I recently you know, I just given back. It was the triple black package. looks really stealthy. And mm. essentially, you know, David's bike there is like a mini version of that, which is probably more fun around town and stuff. But yeah, I, I like that. I think it's a great choice. I haven't been on the 850 GS for a while though. I really want to get out on it um, again soon. I'll try and borrow one because they are cracking bikes. Really, really good. I'd like to see how it compares to like the um, 890 Adventure because the parallel twin with a 270 crank really suits... That kind of style of bike. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely one for the list. Look, I found the precious metals that are in catalytic converters. Mm -hmm. There are, according to slrecyclinglimited.co.uk, there are they list five. Oh my gosh! Sorry. I just get excited when I'm proven right after being ridiculed by you. I'm gonna read it out. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Catalytic converters contain a range of precious metals such as copper, nickel, cerium, iron and manganese. But most importantly, catalytic converters contain rhodium, platinum and palladium. These three metals are especially valued and used for jewellery, electronics (laughs) and industrial purposes. So eat your words, Tim.
1: I I, <laughs> I will. And I will go rummaging around my stock Ducati scrambler exhaust for the engagement ring I offer my partner. So, where did you get that from? Uh, we ask no questions. It's not important. <laughs> it smells a bit smoky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Wow. Yeah. So wedding bands made out of uh, titanium from catalytic converters.
0: All right, we've got to so wrap Platinum. up here with um, Scott Biddlecombe's bike, which is uh, a Kaj- yeah. Kajiba Mito.
1: Hells to the yeah. See, now I put this out as a Tim's looking for a new bike always. We were mentioning before that I tend to change my bikes with the seasons um, and I get interested in whatever and I go trawling through eBay and Auto Trader. And yeah. I was looking for a replacement to the Scrambler, from being perfectly honest with you, and I was looking for a really good argument as to why that would be.
0: And, and it was a Kajiva, Kajiva Mito. <laughs> I
1: think, I think there's, I've got something to tell you, Rob. Uh, I've just taken order of a Kajiva Mito. No, it's, that is a beautiful bike. And uh, obviously I'm a big fan of... I, I was. I, I'm less of a big fan of Italian bikes now, but <laughs> I still like them. And the Kajiva Mito, it's a beautiful bike.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, I bet that it's loads of fun smashing around. It's a two-stroke, isn't it, that? Yeah. Yeah. Two stroke, one, two, five. I just think that looks like a lot of fun. But I do have a slight issue with the Kajiva Mito in the, you know, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with watching super bikes and watching like Foggy doing his world champs and that. And for me, like the 916 was, um, you know, like the most beautiful, amazing bike. And it was just something that if I ever went to a bike date with my dad, if there was one there, I'd be like, wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You, You like that, aren't you? When you're a kid. I don't know if things are different now. It feels like more people finance stuff, so you see better cars and bikes. But definitely when I was a kid, if you saw, like, a cool car in your town, you'd be like, wow, that was great. Anyway, Kajiva Mito, obviously it's nicked loads of the bodywork from the 916, but just slimmed it down. And there's Mm. nothing more disappointing than when you're, like, you see a line of bikes and you see those, like, little Ducati 916 headlights and then you you sort of scoot along, little Rob... (laughs) All excited.
1: <laughs> the Sweaty disappointment palms. on your face is palpable. <laughs> I can feel it now. I mean you just like, oh, it's
0: a kajiva. I mean they're cool <laughs> and they're a cult bike anyway, but I just I feel like that happened to me a few times where I was like, Wow, look at that. A GK- oh <laughs> <laughs> start it up, mate. Expected to hear like a big V twin and it's like <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I know I know what you mean I lo-
1: I love that I love that we can bond over we're similar ages similar kind of uh, thing I I'm completely the same my dad was a massive fan of Fogarty and uh, yeah the nine one six is I don't know whether it's his favourite bike but it's certainly one of the ones that he's a, a big fan of and that's the earliest kind of memory I've got of enjoying bikes was watching that sort of stuff from my dad.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's well good. It's super exciting, but like, what that wouldn't happen nowadays. I mean, imagine if like a because Kajiva, I guess, was like a sister company, right?
1: I believe. Yeah, they were linked at one point. I don't know what the what the sort of link was, but they were.
0: I mean, bike manufacturers do do it to some extent, don't they? Uh, If you look, we're talking about the R series of Yamahas. There's some similarities, sort of going up through that range. Same with um, the Ducatis. They've just changed the. Super Sport 950 this year to look more like the Panigale family with that sort of v shaped DRL that gives it that grin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't know, I feel like if um, a little company sort of went to Ducati with like a little 125 and said, do you mind if we use the exact front end and tail section from the Panigale V4, but we, but we just put a, like Chinese a 125 single. On yeah.
1: <laughs> So you don't yep. know until you walk around the back and you go, "What the
0: hell's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> Would they not just be like, "No, you can't do that. That's going to cheapen our flagship product." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, how did uh, that happen? How did that come to fruition? I'd love to see some footage of that discussion taking place. You know.
1: See now, I feel very bad because you you're just beating up on the Kajiva now. I know. <laughs>
0: Wait. Let me. Let me just like uh not backtrack because sure. it's just adding additional thoughts like excited young me you know given the chance if i had like a learner license and then someone was like you can buy this bike it's a fraction of the cost you're allowed to ride it it sounds like a bit mad and it has the exact bodywork of the 916 yeah i would have just been like yes because it is i mean it's still a beautiful looking bike that thing yeah. the proportions are all perfect it doesn't look like a a, a little bike yeah um and so in defense of it like that's a a great thing
1: all right there you go scott if we we like it we're not <laughs> give money your bike yeah i'm gonna turn up to your house for the first time only front on i'm gonna i'm not gonna let you walk around to the side of me at all it's just gonna be pure portrait just like face on with my new bike and you're going to get sweaty palms, get very excited. Have you found, have you, got, you haven't got one, have you? No, I, no, I, don't, own a, I don't own a two-stroke now. Um, I think
0: the thing that I am talking about more so, because I don't really mind the yellow one that is posted on the group there, is like, look at this, for example. You could get it in uh, red with like the white. Yeah. Come on, that's... I know no, exactly what you're saying. It's got like a black front mudguard that looks like it could be carbon. And it's even got that little... Agip logo on the side whatever that means i've done a lot of googling in this episode i'm very sorry <laughs> it's a italian uh sort of like petrol company i think that makes sense yeah italian automotive gasoline diesel lpg lubricants fuel oil and bitumen retailer
1: yeah it's a sponsorship it's on the side
0: I don't know where we go from here, Tim. I think this is the end of the podcast.
1: And what, what soaring heights we've gone to with this. You've just been mocking, in fact, to be fair, always been me making fun of Bonnevilles as a way of sort of ribbing you
0: and you... The way that you've overlooked the Bonneville in this episode has done absolutely nothing <laughs> for your approval ratings with our audience because it's heavily triumph evangelists.
1: Yeah. You know, you know. Obviously, I like a triumph, and it doesn't matter anyway because I have uh, I've infiltrated it slowly with parts of my family, as you now know. There's this, this more, uh, yeah. more than a few of my family and friends in there that comment. And next time, I won't reference them as family or friends. I'll just have them on there.
0: Yeah, but we'll know. We, that we love it- Tim more of Tim. <laughs>
1: We'll know that they're your
0: family because there'll be dogs in the picture. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, thank you very much for commenting in the uh, the group anyway. But now, if you want to join the group, as we say, like feel free to join it. We accept everyone. We are looking for our second person to boot, so maybe that could be you. An exciting prospect <laughs> for anyone out there. But do have a little look on there because occasionally we uh, we post comments and uh, surveys and things just so we so we know what we can cover in the uh, the next podcast.
0: Well, you could be our second person to get booted out of the group for <laughs> your. <laughs> anti-triumph agenda tune in next time to find out if tim's still on the podcast
1: bye everybody